Welcome back. It is the Selvius Godcast. I am TJ Zuppi. He is Zach Meisel. What's up, buddy? Did you see the big news this week? <laughs> I did not see this, Jay Leno. What is it? Uh, <laughs> it's big money week on The Price is Right. And a uh, oh, guy, guy from New Jersey won a quarter million dollars. And our, our buddy, friend of the pod, Drew Carey, could not have sounded less excited when announcing it at the end of the show. <laughs> uh, even less excited than when he when they figured out that someone was cheating on the show and he's giving away prizes <laughs> and he's like, I shouldn't be doing this, but I have no choice but to hand you this crap. Yeah. I, I got to talk to him at the All-Star game for the before the the celebrity game. He's uh-huh. he was really, really awkward. It was so strange. <laughs> I, I don't like he was just sitting there all casually and like I it was big for me and, and the reason I brought this up was like in the off season all I do is watch prices right. Um Yeah, every just day. in the off season. Yeah. But in the off season I have no reason why I can't watch it every single day. Um and so I told him how like uh, I'm such a big fan of the show and it's my on my bucket list to to make it on there one day and like he was he was nice and he was just like he just had nothing to offer. Like he was, and he was just really weird. Some of his answers to people's questions were just strange, odd guy. Uh, could be that. Could be doing what he, he he could be doing what you and I have talked about before. If we were in position where people were legitimately asking us questions like this, if we were an athlete sitting in the chair and the roles were reversed, how yeah. often we would just make up these bullshit stories and get people going based on things that never really happened. That's how true. easy that would be. Um, I mean, we, we, a lot of times we take these things when I mean, we try to do as much research as possible, but there are some things that you just take a guy for his word and you don't really know for sure. I've heard stories about uh, past Cavs players that have told a story and then the story gets run, comes back the next day and said, I never said that. That's not what happened at all. <laughs> you have to come back with a whole retraction. Uh, so it could have been a little bit of trollery or it could just be, he's awkward. I mean, I don't think I am a great person to talk to outside of doing this podcast and being friends with somebody. If somebody I don't know comes up and talks to me, I think I'm probably pretty awkward in those exchanges too, because I don't really know what I'm, what am I supposed to do with my hands? What am I doing? What do I say? (laughs) Yeah, we just, a few of us walked away from that interview being like, that was really weird, wasn't it? Yeah, um, but nonetheless, it's big money week on The Price is Right, um, and it's yeah been exciting stuff. Awesome. Well, you don't have That's Indians baseball. <laughs> you don't have Indians baseball to watch and cover. You're permitted. There's nothing really going on in that world outside of Roberto Perez having a little bit of uh, surgery, which probably was a little bit expected, right? Based on the way he was banged up at the end of the year, I don't think any of us were going to be surprised. If, yeah. Uh, later on, they announced some sort of surgery for something to correct something because, I mean, he was beat to hell by the end of the season. Yeah, they knew this was coming. Uh, the weird part was it's usually something you get taken care of immediately so that you can just then relax. But because they knew it was not going to be something major, I think they gave him, I mean, where are we? Two weeks from the season? They gave him a couple weeks to just relax at home before sure. he went and had the surgery. Um and they knew they knew this was the plan all along, um, and that odds are this was what was going to happen. But yeah, he was he was dealing with. I mean, he was so beat up all season. 
Um, Which just and it makes was, his his work defensively all year long yeah. that much more incredible to me. Yeah, it would be interesting to think how would we be evaluating his season if he didn't hit twenty four home runs? Because no matter how you frame it, I think you can say without uh-huh. de- pun intended. Yeah, you can say without debate he was the best defensive catcher in baseball. Right? Sure. Yeah, I, I, mean, so. I don't think you can debate that. Um, he was second in caught stealing percentage throwing out runners he was first among all defenders at any position and by a lot in defensive runs saved he was up there in pitch framing um and you talk to any of the pitchers who i mean look at what he did just working with all these young pitchers and and guiding a a staff that was 80 percent different from what they thought it was going to be all season um through that season so it's it's amazing to think about all the work he did defensively how he did it while he was beat up and all catchers are beat up to an extent. Um, but then throwing the fact that he had a career year offensively and it's like pretty impressive. I, I think I put him third on my list of Indians MVPs for 2019 behind Bieber and Santana. But I also think you could, you really, if you wanted to, you could argue that he was, he was as instrumental as anybody. I wouldn't disagree, especially the, as you mentioned, the navigating new pitchers and integrating guys that you don't really know and, and guiding them as best as you can through a season that they have no experience in dealing with stuff at the major league level. Um, it's obviously a collaborative effort. It's not all Berto behind the plate. Certainly uh, there are people all the way in the, from the top in the front office, all the way to the coaching staff and other players that help uh, any young guy through a season. And you give credit to the young guy too, for being able to handle it. Yep. Sandy Elmer should get a shout out here. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, but it is uh yeah, all that comes together. I don't think there's any doubt you can say that he there there really is no argument. He, he was the best defensive catcher in baseball this year. And and we'll talk about kind of his place on the roster, and really the, the whole roster, period. For you, that's probably a good time as the front office is doing that at this point in the offseason too, right before they kind of launch into making some some decisions when the World Series comes up. But I'm also gonna steal a page from the Jay Leno book and go, Hey, did you see this? Did you hear about this? What about what do you make of this report about the Astros whistling signs to the dugout and to hitters, and that's now how they're stealing signs? And I ask this because I am I can whistle. I'm not great at whistling. What what if you're what if you're in a position where you can't whistle and you now need to relay a sign to somebody? You're standing at second base. You know it's coming. And you can't whistle. This is really important. They should have thought this out better. I don't know if they did their research to make sure everybody could whistle and they knew enough tunes. I mean, if you, if you know an appetizing pitch is coming, is it like a cat calling whistle? And when, quite frankly, will all the cat calling stop? I mean, come on, guys. Enough of this. Well, I'm glad you asked because uh, not that I'm patting myself on the back, but I've been told I'm the world's best whistler. Um, I can whistle any song, any, any tempo, any rhythm, any notes. And the amazing thing is I wasn't able to whistle until I was about 16. Uh, and now I've, I've joked with people. Yeah. I've joked with people in the past that I'm going to come out. One of my buddies wants me to come out with a, an album. That's just me covering (laughs) songs, but whistling. Uh, Oh, that won't be the craziest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) So. It's it's interesting, and I, I wonder maybe maybe they like play a game of telephone where one person knows like what they want 
I, I don't know. Do they have like? Is it like Morse code? Like, do they have different different <laughs> lengths of a whistle mean different things? I think or... it's different tunes. It's different songs you play. And so then, whistle. is there like one? Like, is is Bregman the best whistler on the team? And so someone's just got to get the message to Bregman somehow. So they're like passing down a line and they're playing telephone, but they're whistling. And by the time it actually gets to Bregman. He's whistling something completely wrong. Like he's he's whistling, "Hey, a, a <laughs> fork ball's coming," and because of that, the game that was in question, the Yankees won seven nothing. So yeah. that's probably what happened and why it didn't yeah. go well. Yeah, do you just you had to just scrap that at that point? Obviously, it didn't work. Uh, it uh, in in all seriousness, it's it's like there's been enough talk about the Astros and sign stealing and all the things they do. Perhaps behind the scenes, perhaps crossing the lines. I don't know. Uh, that you feel like there's probably enough fire there. There's probably something to it. I don't know how much it ultimately changes the game. I mean, I feel like almost exactly a year ago, we were talking about the same sort of thing. I almost feel like if I'm a member of the Astros and this shit keeps coming out, I love it. Because other teams are focused on me fucking whistling instead of actually just <laughs> going out and trying to beat me on the field. Or they're concerned about some jackass next to a dugout with his uh, Motorola Razor f- filming into my in, into my coaches to see what their signs are. And I'm paying so much Was attention. Was that Bob to Nightingale? Out- <laughs> I'm paying attention to so much outside bullshittery, if you will, that we're not actually just focusing on the game. Isn't that part of uh, the – I mean, there is a line here you can't cross. And it probably is uh, – it's probably been crossed a couple of times uh, in the, the history of baseball when it comes to sign ceiling and all that sort of thing. Uh, Bullshittery but, is a really good word. Thank you. Uh, I also think that there is a, a level of gamesmanship here that if you're in your opponent's head enough that they're 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 freaking listening if I'm whistling a tune or not. I, I kind of like it. Kind of I kind of like being so good that everyone just assumes that I'm cheating and they're just out there looking for that. Lest we forget, 1995. Major League Baseball spent the entire afternoon prior to game one of the division series between the Indians and Red Sox uh, looking in every nook and cranny of Jacobs Field trying to find evidence that the Indians were stealing signs. And then later in the game, after the second rain delay and an extra innings, and it's after midnight and everybody's hangry, you have Albert Bell hitting a game-tying home run and the Red Sox asking that the back hits confiscated. And that was more gamesmanship. I mean, they knew at that point, Albert Bell, I mean, he had he had been caught a year earlier. Like, he, none of his bats were corked, or at least none of the ones he was using at that point. Um, and it was a matter of, like you said, it's the same thing. And it's it's getting in each other's heads, and it's gamesmanship, and it's, it's just all of that, trying to throw this 100-win juggernaut off their game. So it, it's this isn't new, and this happens probably all all the time just in different sorts of ways and now with the way we have social media and stuff i mean it's it's more easily spread um and it's i just come back to like the astros have two of the top what five starting pitchers in baseball and maybe three of the top 15 and a lineup that is just insanely uh uh deep and talented and like they are the best team the be- they have the best roster in baseball and they have the best team remaining by a pretty d- decent margin. And it's like, 
I don't think they, they, they're also regarded as like the smartest team and the most advanced yeah. in development and analytics. And it's like, I don't think they need to do something like this to try to give them an advantage. And if we're, if this is what we're talking about, <laughs> come on. Yeah, that's, that was the first thing I thought of. I, if you have also, the other well, team that wrapped up in it, it has to be to your yeah. advantage. Can we talk about baseball on a national level with like without talking about some controversy, some made up controversy or why the game sucks or I mean, well, you know, believe me, look, ball's different I, now again. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, can we focus on the fact that like Juan Soto is 20 years old and is one of the top players in baseball? Can we focus on the fact that the Astros and Yankees are two extremely talented teams with so many stars and yet none of the on-field action, none of the player performance is whatever gets talked about. And it's just, it's so frustrating. It's baseball just cannot like be embraced by the spotlight or embrace the spotlight. Like it just, it's never simple. It's never like a celebration of the game. It's always something that's like, the game is trying to eat itself from within. You know what? It, you saying it like that reminds me of the old saying that nobody hates professional wrestling more than professional wrestling fans. Hmm. I think baseball is the same way. Nobody hates baseball more than baseball fans. <laughs> Always looking for what sucks about the game as opposed to what makes it great. Um, that's unfortunate. I think there are people that don't take that uh, as their task on a nightly basis. There are some that have a genuine enthusiasm for the game. And as I was, I mean, I've watched, I haven't watched every minute of the postseason, but I've watched a lot of the postseason. I've almost found it easier to watch this postseason every minute than I have in years past when the Indians were out because it's like, Okay, the Indians went through this, and now you just need a break from everything. But from because the Indians weren't part of this from the start, I, I've been able to just kind of sit back and enjoy it a little bit more, which means I've watched a lot of these broadcasts. And the one thing that sticks out in so many of these broadcasts, and it was so evident when you watch the, the ESPN2 StatCast broadcast, which is done just so wonderfully as far as just blending – it, it is the numbers, and there is a lot of that in your face, but it's explaining why these things are important um, and taking the time to not make it so only the, the most, only the most nerdiest baseball fans can relate to this. I think almost every broadcast could benefit so much from just putting somebody in the chair, in the booth, that knows what the hell they're talking about when it comes to what matters and why it matters and just explaining it to more casual baseball fans, because I don't think, I mean, if you look at some of these, the stuff and if, you know, we, we talk about on, even on this podcast, we talk about, you know, WRC plus and expected numbers. And we tried to explain why those things are important, but if you have no background in any of that, it can be very daunting to sit down and look at that. Of course you're going to, I mean, there are times where uh, there are basketball stats, there are football stats now, and there are, people that don't explain it very well. And I sit down and look at it and I instantly go, I can't even understand this. I, I got to walk away. It's, this isn't helping me at all. But I think if, if you just explain the concepts, they're not that difficult. And if somebody were just in these, a part of these broadcasts could help explain the game on that side of things. So it's not always just the one-sided beating you over the head with launch angle and 
why contact is so much better. Somebody that could just sit in the chair and explain things a little bit differently from a perspective of what every other team in baseball is doing. I just feel like it would be so much more beneficial to the sport. Just put somebody in a position on these broadcasts where they can just walk fans through why the new stuff is important and why we care about it and why you should care about it. And I, I, I don't know why that doesn't happen on more of these national broadcasts. Hey, it, it's been an honor attending your TED talk. Um, <laughs> I just, it's no, I have nothing to add to that. I, I agree wholeheartedly. You're just going to, you're, you're tempting me to launch into another angry tirade about how I am the old man who now has Hulu TV, doesn't really know how it works, <laughs> and can't find half of these playoff games. And, and it's Major League Baseball's fault. And then I'm at the gym, and when Price is Right's on a commercial, I look up at the TV over my head, and stupid ESPN first take is on. And instead of ever talking about baseball or the playoffs, they're talking about some one-in-five NFL team and whether they should make a change at quarterback or who the next head coach of the Cowboys is going to be or who's an NBA free agent three years from now who can team up with LeBron. And, like, God forbid they ever spend a minute talking Yankees Astros or what the Nationals have accomplished on this crazy run to the World Series. But I don't want to go on an angry tirade that includes all of that and how MLB screwed up by not making sure that they have a more prominent uh, placement on the ESPN hierarchy. But anyway, what what else did you want to talk about? Uh, it's, well, it's a good thing you didn't get any, any of that because we just don't have time to talk about any of that stuff that you just brought up because there's a lot of time to discuss the roster and you did that recently you wrote about it not just the roster but where they sit financially heading into the season and it's good i mean we kind of have this in our, the back of our minds but it's just helpful to put it in paper put it on paper or put it in print and to be able to just kind of see it in front of you and walk through some of the the steps in and how you arrive at things so i'm going to just kind of set you up and get out of the way because you put all the legwork into this what was, was there anything that stood out to you as you're putting the kind of the early parameters on what the, the salary structure is going to look like next year? Was there anything that initially, I guess, what were your first initial takeaways from it? I don't want to put any words in your mouth. Yeah, you know, last year it was just, it was cut, cut, cut. And there was never a moment where you thought, I know we joked about quite a bit, a moment where you actually thought like, hey, here's this guy who is going to get like two years, $20 million on the free agent market. Um, and the Indian, like you never heard the Indians linked to any ever. And in the end, they only signed guys to non-guaranteed contracts. Um, and it's, it's easy to think that that just becomes the norm but I think when I added it all up and saw that, okay, they're going to have right around, it'll end up being like 100 to $105 million committed for next season. And if they say they don't expect any, any significant changes based on John Sherman leaving, um, they have not yet been told, I, I don't know that I believe this because I think that they – work a lot farther in advance than they let on. They have to. But they said that they've not been told of any, like, 
okay, you can spend 50 million, you have to cut 50, like nothing like that yet. So if you just go by past opening day payrolls, they should have 15, 20 million dollars to spend. Now, is there going to be a little bit of a cutback because attendance dropped? Maybe attendance partially dropped because um, you cut your account. Certain people weren't as interested. Like it's kind of self-inflicted there, isn't it? And we can play this whole chicken and egg game for hours. But the point is, like, they should be able to spend some money, and it's easy to just think, oh. They're just going to pocket that and they're going to have to look in the dumpster for bargain. But it's like, no, like if you remember, like when Santana left, they did sign to a free agent deal. And like they have made moves aside from Encarnacion in the past where they will guarantee some money. I know people like rope in Mike Napoli with, with all those other like Austin Jackson lottery tickets, stuff like that. Like Mike Napoli ended up making $10 million from the Indians that season. So like there are examples of them at least trying to plug holes and spending a little bit of money on the free agent market. And the point here is that they're going to have to do that because I do think as we've talked, I think we talked last podcast, like they've got plenty of starting pitching and they, maybe they can swing a trade that way um, to get another bat, but like they could, or or they're going to have to probably find a second or third baseman on the free agent market and they should be like there's no they're not going to get Anthony Rendon but like pretty much everybody else should be in play like they're it's not a great free agent market so it'll be interesting to see you know do they give someone two years 20 million do they just settle for the sixth best third baseman and give the guy one year five million and hope Nolan Jones is ready in a year like it's going to be interesting but they actually should have a little bit of flexibility um, and if they end up not having flexibility, then for the second straight winter, we eat and we podcast where we just rip ownership and go from there. Well, it'll be a little less painful if that's the case. Like if, if they don't add the difference in, in this off season compared to last off season is last off season, you had noticeable subtractions. And they were openly cutting. They were letting guys go that really would have helped them. And they were trading guys away that still had productive years left. And even in the Yonder Alonso case, that was clear what the goal was there at that point. Um, That's not going to be as as glaring this offseason because as we laid out, you you have the Yasiel Puig matter, a few guys in the bullpen. But I mean, obviously Jason Kipnis, but it's not going to feel like last offseason did. But that doesn't mean, you know, we, we talked about this before. That doesn't mean that you should just head into this winter expecting everything that happened in the second half to just happen again. That guys that they plugged into the rotation are going to be fantastic and that Oscar Mercado is the center fielder of the now and is going to be a at least a close to a league average bat with plus defense and plus base running. You know, all the things that we saw, you can't just expect is going to happen again. You have to plan for injuries better than what they did last year. You have to have better depth. We talked about that last week. I mean, the number of guys that ran out there that just were not productive at bats at all, that killed them throughout a lot of the year. It's not even about having superstars all the time. It's just guys that don't suck, <laughs> you know, yep. that just are black holes that, 
that are essentially automatic outs in your lineup. You look at generally, and it's not easy to, to look for, but look for teams that are good and see how many at-bats they give to guys that are like sub, even 80 or, or 70 WRC+. plus. It's probably not a lot. Uh, bad teams are going to give a lot of their at-bats to guys that are far below below average and i think just even plugging guys in that are closer to league average is just going to raise the whole level of production throughout the entire lineup just so you don't have those spurts where if your superstars aren't hitting it's it's nothing so that's going to be critical but just looking at the list and you know the non-tenders there's no i mean danny salazar is kind of an obvious one cody wow really don't you think danny salazar's due for a healthy year he is due. Yeah, absolutely. If that's the way you want to look at it, he will regress to somewhere uh, for some. I was else. just so glad I got to use my favorite Michael Scott line. <laughs> fool me once, strike one, fool me twice, strike three. That um, sums up Danny Salazar pretty well the last two years. Yeah, not enough strike threes. Um, yeah, there's a couple of, uh, I don't, we could <laughs> banter back and forth about AJ Cole, no one really gives a shit about that. You know, whether they evaluate the 250 extra thousand dollars that they might be able to give him or whatever he's going to sign for, whether that's worth keeping around on a guaranteed deal. Yeah, I I put him in the non sender category just because it's, it's, you're guaranteeing him that because he's out of options. So, sure. Do you want to just guarantee him a roster spot? You probably have enough guy. I mean, they're like, you're going to have Karen check, Cam Hill. You know, maybe bring Tyler Clippard back. Um, there are some other guys at AAA who will get a shot at some point. And, and, like, they'll bring in two or three guys on non-guaranteed spring training invite deals. So it's like, why sure. why guarantee A.J. Cole? Um, you might be able to bring him back on a non-guaranteed deal anyway. I mean, that's true. I also look at what they did with Neil Ramirez last year, who is it was kind of a similar situation uh, where he had flashes of helping out the bullpen and – Despite whatever you think, A.J. Cole probably had flashes, what you considered flashes of helping out the bullpen this year, too. Uh, he's a guy that at one time had a prospect pedigree and is going to be due probably less in arbitration than Neil Ramirez was. Um, or was they, did they sign him? I can't remember what they did with Neil Ramirez. Um, it was they signed him, right? One-year deal. Whatever the case may be. Um, I, I don't look at... like If, if you did... I can't believe we're spending this much time on AJ Cole. If you did, welcome to the AJ Cole cast. <laughs> what was your favorite did, AJ Cole moment of 2019? That one moment where he got a, a save. Didn't he get a save? Um, I, don't, I honestly don't. I, I, I have think, no I recollection. I think he got a pitching. save. I think he got a what save. What a great he random a Indian he's going to be in five years. He helped a team that won 93 games win one by saving it. I don't think I saw him once after he landed on the injured list. It was like August first, maybe. I don't. Where did he go? My point is, if it, if we're talking about like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, do you do you really think he's just going to clear waivers and no one? If you put him on waivers and you were guaranteeing him money, I feel like somebody would would give him would would claim him or trade for him or so. I don't. I don't think the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars would be standing between you. And okay, let's put it this way. If the $250,000 that we're talking about or somewhere in the ballpark, 
is crippling the offseason, then this team is screwed. No, but are you going to – do you want to guarantee him a 40-man roster spot? That's probably the more – Yeah, because you've got to put Tristan McKenzie and Daniel Johnson on there. You're going to need a couple guys to find yep. to take off. Uh, they do have some so. obvious ones, though. At least guys that I consider to be obvious, but we'll we'll see. Um, I just but, got three minutes out of AJ Cole out of you. That's, that's awesome. unbelievable. I didn't even All right, plan for the to next do that. ten minutes. We're going to talk about Cody Anderson, <sighs> the mayor of Goodyear. Uh, don't actually say that because the the real mayor of Goodyear, who like comes on the radio here in Cleveland, yeah, Georgia great. Lord. Yeah, she's going to be really upset when she hears that you're just throwing this shit around. Is the she one still thing- the mayor? She's been mayor for like thirty years. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's like a lifetime thing. It's like oh, a okay. Supreme Court uh, type of a deal. Uh, President Reagan put her into office or something. Does she just every time she has to run for re-election, she just promises more chain restaurants, <laughs> more chain restaurants. <laughs> oh, anyhow, as I was looking at it, and as you said, there probably is some room for flexibility if things don't change too drastically from last year. I say that hesitantly because. You and I both operated under some information last year that didn't prove to be quite accurate as far as what they were planning on doing with the roster. And in the end, we ended up, uh, you know, we, we were the probably the only two that said, hold on, let's let all this play out and see what they end up doing with the flexibility that they've created. And it ended up going nowhere. Um, and we had to spend yeah, and well, a few weeks that, ripping though, into them. Part of that was they thought they were going to trade Corey. Kluber, Trevor Bauer, and we're going to clear another 18 million off the books or so. Yeah, no, fair. Um, But if that is the case, and that kind of aligned with what my thinking would be too, the biggest need, and we've spent so much time talking about outfield, I'm not, I I mean, it needs to be addressed, if nothing else, then for depth. The outfield doesn't stand out to me now as much as how important, and even if it is just a stopgap one season, how important that second base, third base guy is in my mind. That to me, there is no more, if, if you're going to rank important additions for this team, I think that second base, third base job is extremely important because there, there, are, there are guys in the outfield, you know, Mercado in center, if they put Fran Reyes in right, if they... Uh, have Luplo against lefties in left field. And God, they've got a hundred guys that are probably in the same boat that they could put out in the outfield. Uh, you have options there. They might not all be great, but <clears throat> I feel better about that than I do right now. Who's going to play second or third? Do you, do you, do you concur? Yes. So they, they absolutely must acquire an infielder. Um, but I think if they, so I, I think the free agent options, like if they go get, I don't know. I mean, Mustakas would be pretty good, but I don't. Yeah, I've, I've been saying that for two years. That's not happening. His, yeah, his his market might make it difficult on the Indians. Um, so if they go <laughs> many, get someone, how many like one a, year deals is he going to sign? He is right. doing the Bauer plan long before Trevor Bauer, <laughs> and not voluntarily. <laughs> um, I mean, if they go get someone like Brian Dozier or Brock Holt or as Drupal Cabrera, like these are names who like they are keeping the seat warm for Nolan Jones. And if yeah. that's the case, if that's what you end up getting, then you need to also go trade for an outfielder in my mind. They, they need they need two hitters 
I I think one can be someone keeping the seat warm slash deaf, and one needs to be someone legitimate. Um, so I, it doesn't matter to me which position is which player. Um, I think it it probably makes more sense to do the stopgap infielder and go add an established outfielder via trade or whatever, uh, just because you do have Nolan Jones coming up. But even if, I mean, if you go acquire a legit second baseman or third baseman and Nolan Jones is tearing the cover off the ball and it's July, you have flexibility. If Fran Mil Reyes can play outfield, and he has before, you can use someone at DH. I mean, you can move Mike Mustakas to DH, and you can play Reyes in right field. And then you have whoever in left and, and Mercado in center. Um, I think there, there's a few things I'm wary of. Number one, like Oscar Mercado was sensational this season. And, and it seemed like every time you were ready to say, okay, well, he's going to hit a wall now and, and go into the tank. Like he, he got hot or he made a few amazing defensive plays. And that gives me hope that he can be maybe a little more consistent next season. Um, and maybe not fall into that sophomore slump. Uh, and, and on that note, I want to say, I'm going to take a page out of Keith Olbermann's book here and say, I watched one game with the Yankees and Brett Gardner misplayed a ball. And he sucks. Brett Gardner, I mean, have you ever seen that guy play outfield before? He is terrible. You know, I've only watched one game ever of his career. Obviously being a bit facetious here. Longtime listeners to the podcast understand this reference. Well, I do know that he's re- he'd be the the guy you'd least want living under you living like one floor <laughs> beneath you in an apartment complex. Just imagine playing the, you're, you're playing your music just a little bit too loud and just here. Oh man. I have very vivid memories of me doing my best Brett Gardner impersonation a few years ago. In the last month I lived downtown and these idiots moved in above us and just blasted a blue oyster cult over and over and over again. And I just, I used a, a broom, I think, and just <laughs> wailed on it. They thought it was someone knocking on their door. I heard them answer the door like five different times. This was every weekend. And that's why I live in the suburbs now. But anyway. Uh, if they're listening uh, yeah. to that much Blue Oyster Cult, they, perhaps they thought it actually was the Reaper coming. Uh, There's nobody I, at the door, man. There's nobody I, at the door. <laughs> I hate that song now, and it's not fair <laughs> to Blue Oyster Cult. Um, but yeah. Godzilla. I, <laughs> I think they need, I think they need two hitters, and, and I, we've talked about this. How depth is so important. They were a kiddie pool last year, like, and now they need to get like you need six feet maybe. Like you don't have to be the deep end where the diving boards are, but you need more depth. Let's get to six feet, and and that'll be a a good start because we we can't see lineups like we saw in April, May, yeah, and, so, and September. Yeah, I mean injuries happen, true, but you got to be able to just how plug- lucky they are that Mike Freeman had the year he had that sure, they had to right. resort to him, right? And then he produced, right? Unbelievable. Uh, that's not going to happen again. I'm going to go out there on that limb and say it's not going to happen again. So don't expect it, uh, and don't plug in Mike Freeman as the starting second baseman for Opening Day 2020. Uh, you you have a prediction on the Opening Day second baseman, though. Come on, give me your prediction. Prediction or what I would do? No, no, no. Prediction. I I know what you would try to do. I've seen you run your HBD teams. You're just throwing money at everybody. Did I? Did we talk about this? Did I text you a prediction? (laughs) Yes, you did. 
Oh, did I watching... say Brock Holt? No, you didn't say Brock Holt. You were watching the Rays. This man hit a home run. And then you texted me. I think it was just emoji with a dude wearing glasses. Oh, so hard. <laughs> yeah, he seems like the kind of guy they'd get. I don't that, but that doesn't excite me at all. That that's what I mean. Like if Eric Sogard's your starting second baseman next season, then you need to go I don't know, trade for Starling Marte or sign Marcelo Zuna or trade for Babe Ruth or something. Like that Uzuna's uh, an I, interesting test case of the number the numbers on the surface look okay. I mean, twenty seventeen he was a monster, twenty eighteen very underwhelming, twenty nineteen was uh, just a little bit above average, but I mean, we know all these front offices look at much more than just what the surface slash line is. You look below the surface, you see a guy that was crushing the ball a lot and had a, a lot of terrible luck. And it's like, is this a guy that teams are willing to invest in because we see the data below the surface, but he's also a terrible defender in left field. I, I am, he is a guy and probably like Puig, but Puig for different yep. reasons that I am most interested in seeing what the market looks like right. for for a guy like that. Well, those two in comparison, like I'm I'm I have no concept of what either guy will get on the market. Um, because and there's there's always like a wild card of like there's always a stupid team out there. Like there's always the Marlins or the Orioles or the Tigers or the uh, they're good teams who make stupid signs, like the Rockies. Um, so I, I have no idea. But I'm, I'm interested to see, does Ozuna get paid a lot more? Does he get several more years than Puig? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, what, I, what, what I would be interested is, what if, could Didi Gregorius be their second baseman next year? Well, he could have just been their shortstop when they... Trade, sort of traded for him, but then it was actually part of a three-team deal a long time ago. Yeah, I don't know. Wouldn't he uh, be a good fit? Well, um, He shouldn't play shortstop anymore. We can say that. Based on the arm, no. Uh, it's unfortunate uh, for his stat line he doesn't get to face Corey Kluber anymore if that were the case. Right. Uh, but I, maybe he would <laughs> um, he would fit what hitters at progressive field need to excel at doing being left-handed hitters that can pepper them over that short fence in right field, not as willingly and able to do so as they are at Yankee stadium. But yeah, I mean, sure. But I, I mean, I don't know that, that to me seems like a guy that's going to stay with New York probably from the rest of his career. I don't, I don't know. They just, they have I, no need for him. I, I mean, know, it's I their I infield just, depth but, is nuts, but there's something about like the, I, I, I don't know. They have Andujar, um, they have Urshela, I, they have Torres, they have LeMahieu. Well, then the Indians should just trade for Gio again. Or trade for him back. Because that'll Eric just Gonzalez work. might be available. <laughs> that'll just work, yeah, what he was this year. We'll transfer back to Cleveland, and he'll just be the same guy. Uh, you know, you, my prediction, you didn't even... You didn't even ask for, and when I told you what it was, you didn't even flinch. You know who I think is going to be in Cleveland? AJ Cole. <laughs> AJ Cole, perhaps. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see if Yolmer Sanchez gets non-tendered. 
Yeah, uh, that doesn't excite me at all. No, I, I don't, don't expect it to. I said prediction, not what I want to happen or what I think should happen if I were in a position to make any of these. I'm looking at someone that's like, well, he's been in the division a long time, and Tito's watched him play all the time and has seen him play multiple spots, and he's a switch hitter. And Why don't they just trade for Whip Merrifield? It's not that awesome offensively. Just give the Royals a, a pitcher and a prospect. Get Whit Mer- Merrifield. There's your second baseman. He's also cheap, so you still have a little bit of money, and you can go sign somebody else. I mean, this is so simple. Come on. Yeah, it's simple. We we could just sit up here and do it for sure. Do we agree that we would? It, so okay, so those are are those the top two priorities though, the infielder and then the outfielder. Yeah, I'm and putting then, the inf- I'm, the infielder is so much, and maybe you're right that it, depending on who you get impacts things in the outfield but right. to me i'm putting that like twice or three perhaps three times as important as what i do in the outfield but yeah because the alternatives position, well the alternatives are so much worse i mean i i've never seen christian arroyo play i don't really yeah want and it's, and it's the fine. second base job if it's fine if it was sort of like you know a yankee discovery throughout the year if somehow he's the, right. we have to arrive at him because of injuries and guy other guys just suck and then he's like the third or fourth guy you try, I am perfectly fine with having that sort of depth. And I, like we told, we, said, we said at the time when they acquired him, I thought that was a good move. Um, just from an interesting lottery ticket sort of perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't just assume he is the opening day second baseman or, or anything like that. It just, that seems crazy to me. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have a preference here, by the way? Like, let's forget about the player for a second. Do you want Jose playing second or third if you had your choice which do you have a preference no i it, i'm just using his versatility and holy shit is this guy a valuable player um signed to just an outrageously cheap contract um no i'm i'm using that to my benefit to get the absolute best player i can acquire to play the other position I, i'm no it, it doesn't matter to me um that is he's proven I know he didn't look as good at second base after they acquired Josh Donaldson. I'm more prone to chalk that up to he hadn't played second base all year, and then he just randomly went over there. So I, I'm i going to think that he would be fine either way. I know he's developed into a pretty good third baseman, but to me it's just I'm not going to limit myself to who I can acquire just to yeah. keep him at third base. No, that's fair. Um I think if if it didn't matter, I would want to keep him more at third. I think long term, it's yeah. just better for him to stick at third. But yeah, I'm with you. Use the versatility while you can. And if he says he's open to playing second base to bring a better third baseman in, uh, then by all means, I have no problem with that. And if he's at second base, he interacts with more... Opposing base runners, and he can talk more <laughs> trash, and I think that's a benefit. Fair enough. Uh, would you like to do a random inning of the day? Do you have one for me? Uh, I was quickly doing a search, and I found I'm one. nervous. And I don't think we've ever done this one, nor did I even remember him being a player for the Indians. Uh, but here, it, here we go. All right, so this gentleman pitched – for the Indians between the 2006 and 2007 seasons. Mm. 
He appeared in 10 games in his career. Scott Stewart. Wait, wait, in his career? In his career. Oh, not just with the Indians. No, period. With the Indians and, yes, for his career. How am I uh, ever going to get this? I, I know. 426 ERA. He actually uh, posted a 180 ERA in nine appearances over five innings. So that should tell you that he was a specialist, or at least at the time, a specialist. Uh, so he's a left-handed thrower. A lefty reliever, 06-07. That 06 season. Can we do a podcast solely dedicated to that? Yeah. I think I already asked you this. Yeah, I know. We have a couple of things. You want to talk about that season? I want to – I mean, we're going to have a big Frankie Lindor discussion at some point. Maybe we'll just push it off as much as we can until he's actually traded. And then – wait, what? Um I want to do some some fun oddities with StatCast. We have a, a bunch of stuff coming up in the coming weeks that we can get to. The yes, the 2006, the 2006 season was uh, a weird one. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know. What else you got? Did they trade for him? Did they draft him? Who is this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um Born January 26, 1981, so that makes him 38 years old. He made his debut at the age of 25. And let me look for transactions. Signed by the Indians as an amateur free agent back in 1999. Uh, Francisco Crusetta? It is not Francisco Crusetta. Okay. He signed as a free agent with the Indians in 2009, again, but obviously didn't pitch for the Indians in the major leagues. He only pitched in the major leagues between 06 and 07. I just remember they had the three FCs. They had Fernando Cabrera, Fausto Carmona, and Francisco Crusetta. (laughs) I thought Fernando Cabrera was going to be the second. I I thought he was the next Mariano Rivera. What happened? Uh, Um, We'll spend a whole other podcast on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm drawing. Were his the, the nine appearances were those in September? Um, hold on, I'm actually reading a little bit more about him. All right, so let me pull up his. What? So you want to know when the appearances took place? Yeah, was he a September call up? In 2006. Uh huh. In 2006, he appeared, yes, September call-up. So those all in the final month of the season. In 2007, he only appeared in one game, that also in September. And I, uh, there, There's no way I'm going to And I, I didn't remember this. He was involved in a serious automobile accident on the night of November 24th, 2007, in his homeland in the Dominican Republic. His car was struck in an intersection by a motorcycle, both occupants of the motorcycle were killed. Uh, Juan Lara? It is Juan Lara. You know what's so weird about that? I came across his baseball reference page this week. I don't remember why. That's so weird. I, I never would have guessed that because I didn't even remember that he was a left-handed pitcher. Um, or what year he pitched. But I do remember. I remember the car accident. Yeah, so he 
was wearing a halo vest. After wearing a halo vest to support his neck and surgeries on his spine and arms, Lara reported to Indian Spring Training in March 31st, 2009. Huh. Uh, and uh, shout out to the Indians at the time. Handled all of his medical expenses. But yeah, that's the career of Juan Lara. That's crazy. Did not remember anything about... I, I couldn't even remember him pitching for the Indians at all. Like The name was faintly familiar and i didn't remember the automobile accident at all but yeah according to uh wikipedia which is always right uh <laughs> lara was taken to the dominican republic hospital with life-threatening injuries including broken ribs a broken d2 vertebra uh possible brain damage his injuries were considered to be possibly career ending of course he didn't pitch in the major leagues ever again but the fact that he even reported to training camp in 2009 uh, seems incredible to me, based on all of that information. Yeah, that's that's wild. I, I so vaguely remember that, um, but that's so weird because I came. I don't know why I came across. Maybe I was just reminiscing about the 2006 Indians, um, but I, I just I remember glancing at his name. I was like Juan Lara. I vaguely remember him, and then I moved on. And then you bust him out for a random Indian. Yeah, and basically stopped me. Uh, I, I can't blame you for being stumped on that one. Just I found a Associated Press article from him reporting to camp. Uh, Lara was left with severe brain trauma, a fractured spine, two broken ribs, broken arm, and a punctured lung. Doctors kept him in a coma for weeks before fitting him with the halo vest to support his neck. He later had surgery on his spine and arm, and then he reported to Indians camp in 2009 and Apparently was set to participate in extended spring training before being assigned to minor league camp. Hmm. That's a cool comeback story. Uh, what he's doing now. Uh, if anybody has any more information, that's all I can find on the, uh, on the Wikipedia. Uh, because the MLB.com article is broken. Any parting words this week? Uh, why do we not have a sponsor yet for the random Indian segment? That seems... I don't know. Inefficient. Uh, also, no. Uh, if anyone has any suggestions for binge-worthy shows, this is the time of year when I like to veg um, when I'm not working on random stuff. So always, always in search of that. That's all I got. Yeah, and I'm now. I'm just going to spend the next few hours researching whatever happened to Juan Lara, which I can't find any more information on. So yeah, if anybody knows, if anyone has more articles that they find, pass those along because I want to read it. it. Sounds like an incredible comeback story. The fact that he even was back standing in a minor league or major league facility. That's uh, incredible. And don't forget part two of the AJ Cole podcast coming uh, next week. So Yeah, that's, that's a special one just for our supporters. That's uh, straight to uh, direct to DVD. <laughs> really. <laughs> Till next time, we are out. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll see you later. The Selvius Godcast, featuring Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi, is presented by our supporters at Anchor. To help support the podcast, visit anchor.fm slash Godcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, we sure hope you do, be sure to leave us a five-star review. And if you have suggestions, drop us a DM on Twitter at Selby is Godcast. Thanks for listening.